You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hey guys, so glad you could join us for a fabulous episode with Dana Shea, Enneagram 3, relationship coach extraordinaire. I am so grateful for her, for her 3-9 marriage to her husband, Sean, and for the wealth of information she shares with us from that heart space, which is the space we love and need the most during this romance month of February or whenever you're listening. And I'm just so grateful we get to have this conversation together. Also, I have to give a shout out to our special attendees who came far away. We had several of you fly in from out of state. We had New York. We had St. Louis. We had East Tennessee. We had North Carolina. I'm so happy and thankful and really grateful that Jen helped so much. Her and her husband, Rob, huge shout out to them. But it was absolutely so beautiful to get to meet people from the airwaves. I know you guys feel that love with me and the joy in my voice as I share that. And it was such a pleasure to help people to indulge in flow. Florida in February. And I got to kind of go to those five senses too a little bit and really enjoyed just sharing good vitamin D with each other and hearing like, oh, we're in such cold weather. I'm like, oh, this is a good time of year to do events. I'm paying attention. So this was so much fun. We got to see so many ball gowns and dance all kinds of dances. We learned merengue. We learned, well, some of us did not need to learn. Some were amazing already, but there was hustle going on. There was Macarena. There was just my daughters got to help lead the ballroom teacher with cha-cha slide, which was a fun surprise to me. So We were all just glowing out there, honestly. Some of it was sweat, some of it was fun and joy, and I got lots of video and pictures. So if you get a chance, I will make sure to share in the newsletter some of that today. And also just really grateful and thankful for those who came and also just the love shared here. We've been getting letters and really cool encouragements from around the world as we hit the 1 million downloads mark. And I'm grateful that we're just learning and growing together. Quite honestly, it is an ongoing It's not like we're like, yay, we've arrived, right, guys? It's ongoing. And that said, that's why we have another great, amazing guest today because we have this romantic month of February and we're going to hit stress again. It doesn't mean because maybe you refreshed yourself and you had a fun weekend that you're not going to need balance and tools and reminders and encouragement and refreshment. So we're here for it all with you. We need the same. We're doing this work together. And so thank you again to guests near and far. I so look forward to more fun with you guys later this year. Hopefully next year we will be planning everything out for those kinds of events now that we've had our first E&M event that was just a blast. Now also... 
Just so you know, with today's episode, Dana and I are really revving you up for romance because we know that what we need is action after the sluggish weather. There's something about an Enneagram 3 who can really get us healthily action-oriented toward love. And Dana is not just your average three who's not being intentional. She loves intentionality. She is really similar to our work here, which is so much fun. I was on her podcast, as she'll share, and we just both have such a heart for marriage. You're even going to be like, oh my gosh, her story. Um, I don't want to spoil it for you, but you're going to see that she brings in a huge heart piece. And we need that because this is a thinking type podcast. So I love to in February really bring in these heart pieces and communication pieces. We're going to be hearing all about this today. So get revved up with us and ready to move into action with us. And quick caveat, Dana and I are so glad that we also get to talk about some male-female differences. Even though we know Enneagram creates a different kind of a bell curve than just male-female and that there's so much nuance within that, we also don't want to lose some of the male-female differences that we've seen at large in each of our relationships practices over a number of years. And I find that very comforting for you because as listeners, I always want you to have the best information. And sometimes we miss the biggest pieces. And as I was telling Dana after our interview, sometimes even in my graduate school training, we didn't focus at all on male-female differences. And yet these are the very things that show up biggest for my work over the last two decades. So I want to make sure that you know in advance, we love Sheila Ray Gregoire. In fact, We've had her on both of our podcasts before. We love the idea of mutuality and respect for both parties, but we also just literally want to give you the best tools for your marriage and relationship. So hold on. We are going for a great and fun ride today with Dana as we talk all things keeping the fires of romance stoked in your marriage when we know that light goes out sometimes. So we are refreshing you today. Briefly before Dana comes on, if you want to become an Enneagram and Marriage Certified Coach, do not forget to do that with us. Starting training at the end of February on Thursdays, and you can also just watch on your own time on demand, but check out the show notes for everything Dana has. She has such a fun freebie. Okay, let's chat with Dana. Dana, I am so happy to have you on the Enneagram and Marriage pod. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to be here, Krista. You are absolutely welcome. Oh, we get to talk about love this month. Isn't that fun? It's amazing. I love talking about love. (laughs) It's our favorite topic. I'm sure both being marriage, relationship podcast hosts, moms, wives, but I would love, because this is our topic, to remind our audience that you're an Enneagram 3, right in the center of the heart triad, right? That's right. (laughs) It's awesome. So we really get an essential training today, guys. I want you to know that this is her specialty. So we are leaning in, Dana. Tell us a little bit about yourself as our audience gets to know you. Yeah. Well, Krista, I um, grew up in a very dysfunctional family. Um, My mom, I had a stepfather and uh, my mom and my stepfather's relationship was not that great. And so I found myself at a very young age being like, if they only realize that they are not communicating well, you know, by arguing, like I found myself saying all of these like crazy things as like a little kid and my mom like to to listen to her now kind of tell me story she was like you were always like very intuitive kind of wise beyond your years kind of an old 
soul. And so what I realized is that from watching the dysfunction in my parents' marriage and realizing that this is not how God intended marriage to be, I don't know how I knew that. I just knew it like this couldn't be what he intended marriage to be. Um, I started making some goals in my own life, like when I get married. Now, we have to be careful about that, right? Because we don't want to be like, oh, I'm never going to. And then you end up doing the very thing that you say you're never going to do. But early on, um, I, you know, I got married super young. My husband and I have known each other since we were five and eight years old. And... (laughs) so cute yeah yeah and uh he used to like my sister I always have to say that little disclaimer (laughs) oh my gosh that's hilarious I have not had that part yet on the pod so we're gonna dig into tell us more then we're gonna dig back a little into how you guys started dating but anyway go ahead Yeah. So we started, we've known each other forever. And then we got married super young. I was only 18. He was 21 when we got married. And like many young marriages, we started off really like poor, you know, and like really not knowing anything. I mean, we're super, super young. So we made many mistakes. Um, We um, had infidelity in our marriage. The Lord restored. That's a whole nother story for another time. But yeah, yeah. So God like totally restored our marriage. Um, It was, it was a miracle, literally a miracle. And so throughout all of that, I began to just kind of organically start coaching people who were going through similar things as I was going through. And I was fighting for my marriage. I was was believing God for the best. And so God was just starting to bring these people to me that just needed hope and encouragement. I never knew about like what I never heard of a marriage coach. I'd never heard of that. I'd heard of marriage counselors, but I didn't know that like I could actually make this a profession in a ministry, really. Um, just helping other people in their marriages. And so here we are today, all these years later, and God has blessed us with, you know, an incredible um, business where we get to really talk about our story. And more importantly, just like God's ability to restore people who are willing to do the work of restoration in their marriages. Oh my goodness. And you hear you have this history together. You have really been able to touch point lots of different issues, even the most painful ones to really walk next to and within this with your clients. And then I love that it was a calling from such a young age. That is one of my favorite things to hear from you. Wow. Yes. Yes. And it's so interesting because people will often ask me like, how did you know? And I'm also a pastor at my church. And so I get these questions probably the most, how did you know that you were supposed to be a pastor? And then how did you know the people that God was going to allow you to minister to? And I'm like, it wasn't like a test that I took. It was just, you start where you are doing what God has gifted you to do. And that's basically what I did. You know, he brought people into my life that needed to be encouraged. So I encouraged them. And I've I've always been very um, open and transparent with my story because that's what I needed. When I was really going through like the darkest time in my marriage, I was looking for people to just be honest and say like, this is what God did for us. Or I was looking for people who could relate to what I was feeling and not just give me a scripture and send me about my day. Like, and and so I realized I wanted to be the person really that I was looking for all those years ago. And that's, that's how we stumbled upon marriage coaching. Oh my gosh. How interesting that it came through this desire as an Enneagram three to have that truth and love spoken to people the way you would have wanted. And I love that it was born out of such a heart for 
what not only you would have wanted, but what you started to receive as you started to learn tools in your marriage. That's, Mm -hmm. I think what people really love to hear um, is that you are speaking from a place of healing, not woundedness, which is exciting. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Even though we're all in growth all the time, but let's just take one more step back just for the fun of it. Of Tell us how you go from little kid years to falling in love together with hubby. Oh, so funny. So my husband loves to tell the story that I have zero le- recollection of. He claims he had come to my house because our parents were friends. We we grew up in the same church. That's how we knew each other so young. And so he comes to my house and he claims that I ran up to him, gave him a kiss on the cheek and ran away. <laughs> <laughs> now that's and I'm like, beautiful. I... Oh, yeah. I'm like, that does sound like something I would do. So I couldn't like discount it because I was very like when I, again, being an Enneagram three, like I know what I want. I'm going to go after what I want. Um, But I'm like, I don't remember that at all. And so as kids, he and my sister were the same age. They were in the same classes at school. And so like that was my sister's friend. Like I just I kind of saw him as like, that's my sister's friend. And then once we got a little bit older in high school, Um, his family had left our church at that point. And so we reconnected in high school and I was like, oh, wow. Okay. You know? And so we started dating my sophomore year in high school and we've been together since ever since. My goodness. Wow. I can't believe it. And what's his name in all this? Does he have an Enneagram type two or are you guys not sure about his type? Yes. His name is Sean and he is a nine. And so, yeah, we've had lots of great conversations. And the funniest thing is before I knew anything about the Enneagram, this is why I love the Enneagram so much, is that a lot of times I would look at his strengths as weaknesses. Mm. The fact that he is a peacemaker to a fault. And I am not (laughs) necessarily (laughs) like on the spiritual gift side. Yes. Like I've learned uh, through just growing in Christ, you know, but I am very much like a go-getter. I'm a very, I mean, I am like the Mm. typical three and, (laughs) you know, so, so like, I'm like, this job needs to be done. And this is what we're, you know, and Sean, he's very compassionate, high compassion, Mm. um, he wants the job to get done, but you know, not to the, not to the demise of the relationship where I'm like, the relationship will be all right. We're going to get, you know what I mean? Like we're so opposite. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so before, again, before I had any knowledge of what the Enneagram was, I would, it caused conflict in our relationship, honestly, because I was trying to make him like me. And that's not the goal of marriage is to become like your spouse. The goal is to become more like Christ together. Right. And that is so helpful that the Enneagram and of course, way above Enneagram, God helped you guys to find that. And we love hearing that here. I love the three, nine pairing. I get it as um, an assertive type that you're like moving ahead no matter what. And I'm right there with you, but I just get so into hearing the stories here because each one has a special place to see how you guys are glowing out there and look at you guys now helping all these other people to realize their potential also in marriage. So that's what we're going to get today for our beloved listeners. So um, tell us a little bit about how our audience, this whole month of February, as you know, we're focusing in on romance. How can our audience really bring these spaces of romance back? Especially I'm thinking of our audience who is just past the honeymoon stage or maybe have been out of it for a while. 
Yeah. You know, there's a word every year I have a word of the year and several years ago, my word was intentionality and I had it on my whiteboard in my office. I had it in my bedroom. I just had, I wanted to see that word everywhere because Mm -hmm. in marriage, especially if we're not intentional, then we're going to drift apart. Like we naturally, when people say things like, oh, we just grew apart. Sometimes they'll say it in a way like there's some strange phenomenon that happened. And I'm like, no, that is actually our default is to drift. You have to be intentional to stay connected. And so speaking of romance, you know, when we say the word romance, lots of people have different definitions of that. A lot of people might visualize rose petals on the floor and, you know, a bath and champagne and all of that, which is a part of romance. But, you know, one of the things that I tell my clients all the time is like, focus on the little things, the good mornings, the good nights, the kisses, the smiles, the saying thank you, you know, kind of those things that when you've been married for a long time, you can start taking your spouse for granted. Mm -hmm. And you can start to that romance in your marriage will wane, not because of, of you not necessarily like taking trips or buying gifts, but just because you've forgotten those, those little small little touches of romance throughout the day. And so my husband and I, we've been married for 23 years and like, he'll, he'll still come up to me and like, you know, grab me around the waist for a kiss, you know, or he'll, we're very affectionate, but we've had to work at that because with four children and a busy life and a business and a ministry and all of those things, it can be so easy to just get into like the the day-to-day grind. And, and I am like naturally wired that way. And so I've had to be very intentional about setting work aside because I can work all day long and it work energizes me. I love it, you know, but I can get so focused on that, that if I'm not intentional about taking time out with my husband, just listening to him talk about his day, that's a part of romance. Like it's not always the date nights, which yes, that stuff is important, but I think it's this level of just being intentional with your day-to-day caring for each other that can be super romantic. I love that. And I love that you are letting us know too that it's about the intentionality and these little touch points of mornings, nights, hellos, goodbye. These little things are the big things. So when people are looking for how did you do it, you would say it's the little things it sounds like. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, my husband, I was thinking the other day, I I mentioned something to him about needing some batteries for something. It was just kind of a throwaway comment, you know, and he he texts me on his way home and he's like, hey, I'm gonna be a little bit late. I'm stopping by the store. And I was like, oh, for what? He was like to get your batteries, you know, like. And to me, like some people would be like, oh, okay, you know, but like, I, I was like, you know, what? I really appreciate it. You listened to that small little detail mm-hmm. and you, you, you did that for me, you know? And so I'm, I'm constantly trying to look at what, what, how can I appreciate my husband more? And when you're appreciating your spouse more, instead of complaining about your spouse all the time, that makes you fall deeper in love with them because why? Because you're, you're seeing all of their strange. You're seeing all of the good things that they're doing and you're not focusing on all of the things that they're not doing. And so a lot of times when people come to me and they're like, you know, I just don't feel, I don't feel it for my spouse. I've quote fallen out of love. I don't, um, I don't know that we're, um, you know, whatever word they want to use, whether they say equally yoked or we're on the same page anymore, whatever wording they want to use. A lot of times I'll go back to when is the last time that you really appreciated your spouse for who they are? And that's not the answer that people want to hear, but that's where we start. 
Because yeah. we could talk about problems all day long, but there's something about your spouse that drew you to them or you wouldn't not have married them in the first place. Mm-hmm. So can we look at what are they doing right? What are some things that they're doing well and then build from there? And mm-hmm. so that's what I just, I'm super intentional and I'm not perfect at this at all, but I am really focusing on every day. How can I appreciate my husband for who he is? Mm, I love that. And I think that you're saying, when we're not only intentional, but that we also have a healthy narrative about what our partner's doing for us, it creates a lot of those positive vibes that we need really. And of course, being people of faith, I'm thinking Philippians 4, 8 right here, that we Mm. are really choosing to think about the good things that makes so much gut health. It helps your biome. It helps your, your brain health. It helps you to develop more neurons. I mean, from top to bottom, right? We have all these blessings in our body that flow from this heart of gratitude. And so you're saying, watch for it, but also take the actions because you can watch all day. And if nothing good's happening, it's not going to work, right? Absolutely. You know, and and being intentional means that you have to go first a lot of times. You know, like there will be times that I'm feeling disconnected from my husband. We were both very, you know, I don't like the word busy. uh, Years ago, I said I'm banning the word busy, but we're we're both very productive people. We have a lot going on. And and so it's easy for us to, at the end of the day, being like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a little disconnected. So a part of that intentionality is I might go up to him and rub his back, or I might go and maybe I initiate sex that night. You know, it's like, it's going first and then the feelings follow the behavior. A lot of people, they're looking for the feelings. Like, it's like, I don't feel like I'm in love. I don't feel love toward my spouse. I don't feel that affection, but you have to actually put some action in front of the feeling. So if I'm feeling disconnected from my husband, then I need to be asking myself, okay, what can I do to connect with him again? If I'm not feeling like he's given me affection, what can I do to show him affection? And when I take that first step and I become intentional, then magically the feelings (laughs) show up. (laughs) (laughs) Which is amazing. And it's fun and it's creative. And that's what I think really also helps a marriage past the honeymoon years is a lot of those happy hormones are just there with us earlier. But you're reminding us when we put in the work and the mystery and the spice our spouse brings something back to us. You know, when you change that family system, it's not usually just stagnant, but life is brought in. You've blown on a spark and now there are embers glowing and it's a little crazy, right? Because fire is never exactly stable, but it's a beautiful glow. And I love that you're, you know, you're inspiring me to take care of Wes today. And I think even as coaches, Mm -hmm. sometimes, like you said, we need these ongoing reminders too, but the good news is we're in the relationship field so we can help everybody because we're always studying this. And it's, it's true. I'm so happy you reminded right. us of that. Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, you're making me want to ask a digging deeper question because I love to do that. And I know our listeners are already thinking probably this with me. And that is, tell us if you've noticed in your practice, in your marriage, uh, we all know there's a bell curve and there's lots of differences between Enneagram types, but just in general, in your work as a pastor and as a coach, uh, any male, female differences that we should be aware of as we're trying to pursue one another. Oh my goodness. So many, you know, and it's so interesting because like the culture that we're in right now, like no one wants anything to be binary anymore. And so these gender differences that I believe are very real, we are finding that 
culture is trying to erase those. And so people are more confused than ever because they're not understanding that God created male and female differently, not just our sexual organs, but also how we think, how we process, how we solve problems. So one of, I think, just the the one that came to mind off the top of my head was I had a a session with a, a a client yesterday, husband, and wife, and the wife was telling me very common. Some of I'm sure your listeners will be able to identify with this, but the wife was saying that sometimes she just needs her husband to listen to her and not try to like fix all of her problems for her. And she was saying that when she tries to open up and share, she doesn't really feel like he's listening because he's so busy giving her solutions. So I said to her, probably 90% of women can relate to what you're saying right now because men are wired as fixers for the most part. Now there's going to be that woman that's like, nope, my husband doesn't fix a thing. He doesn't do anything at all. (laughs) But for the most part, for the most part, men are wired to fix problems, to solve it, to rescue, right? And so as women, if we don't realize that about our spouse, then we will see that as a weakness when it's really a strength. We will see that as maybe them not listening to us, like my client here, you know, thinking that her husband's not listening. And really what he's doing is he is listening, but the way that he's wired is to listen to solve. And so that is a gender difference that we just need to understand exists. And again, of course, they're outliers and they're going to be, you know, the wife maybe in, in one relationship who feels like she's the fixer. But for the most part, there is that difference. And I think, you know, where the Enneagram, obviously the Enneagram is not gender specific. You've got, you know, female threes, male threes, you know, female nines, male nines, you've got all the differences there. But the way that we process, especially in communication, I'm extremely wordy. A lot of women are very wordy and a lot of men are not. So I've had to learn in 23 years of marriage, I can tell my best friend the 60,000 word story, but from my husband, I'm going to need to learn how to truncate that down to probably 5,000 words <laughs> because yeah. he doesn't want to hear all of that. Like he, just, yeah. So I can get offended mm-hmm. or I can use wisdom and say that, you know what, the way that he's wired is he's not going to want to sit here and listen to me tell him a two-hour story. So let me give him the Cliff Notes version and everybody's happy at the end of the day. Yes, and I think that... That is not dishonoring who uh, other people are, the fact that you know that about your husband. And I think everyone needs to nuance and put some blinders on. If they do have that anomaly of a spouse, then you guys will be tweaking differently as you listen to this episode right now. But largely, and I do think you're right, we're missing that because we're trying to be sensitive to everybody who isn't the same, which is great. But those who are, which is the large majority, could be missing out if they're forgetting some of the most basic tenets that you and I know. And of course, my husband being medical, he's like DNA and all the things he has to do anyways for males and females. Like there are some differences. There are even some brain differences we've talked about on this podcast. One of them, coming back to what you just said, that, you know, we may even have some differences with men having a more visual acuity and females having the more word acuity, generally speaking. So it's just nice for listeners to be reminded this isn't usually anyone's choice. It's a matter of this is just the way they're wired. So if they can't handle as many words, uh, and I can absolutely concur, Dana and I see tons and tons of couples over decades now. And typically when I go on for a long time, the men say to me, what, or can you clarify that? And do you hear that sometimes too, Dana? 
Well, I've, I've learned like, not that I never hear that, but I've learned when I'm talking to my male clients, I I am super like, I mean, if they could see what's going on in my mind, I'm thinking, Dana, you have got to like shorten this up, you know? So I'm super, super intentional about keeping it short. Now I know if, if any of my male clients are listening to this right now, they might be like, "Mm -mm." it's Yeah, I think it's shorter. Compliment her on this and say, guys, we're sharing her coaching info at the end here. So like, <laughs> yes, queen, I love that. Um, however, my male clients still struggle with this with me. And so I'm always laughing like, ah, oh, I missed it again. Like, yes. Okay. Coming back to summarize for you. Um, and so I love the dance of relationships work, you know, relationship work with you. And so I'm really grateful that you can just give our listeners that refreshment to say you're not alone. If that's ever driven you crazy about your spouse, either going too fast, too long, too much, or being unable to catch everything you're saying, but it's a very big and important difference, right? Absolutely. It is. And like you said before, and it, and, and I love the fact that I think that there are some great things about our culture that we are trying to be more inclusive and more compassionate, um, but not to the demise of erasing kind of, again, how God has, has wired us. And so celebrating our differences. Like, I love that my husband is different than me. I don't want him to be like me. Oh my gosh, our kids would jump off a building. You know what I mean? Yeah, like right. they this need, is- <laughs> yeah, we need you, but we only need one of you. <laughs> That's how yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We need some balance. And, and yeah. so focusing again, you know, not to be the dead horse, but like focusing on your spouse's strengths that's going to save a lot of like problems in the long run versus being like, well, they don't do this or I wish they would do more of this. It's like, okay, what are they doing? Well, that compliments you because really that's what our opposites do. They complement one another. Yes. Oh my goodness. And that goes for Enneagram too. Cause sometimes people have different instincts or different types or different wings. And it's just a great reminder that male femaleness is another one of those complementary spaces for most couples. And so just to be able to say, you know, and if that's not what you're working with in your dynamic, then that's a different story. But right here, right now, we need to address there are some very big differences in the ways we relate as males and females. And so when we're thinking of romance, something that might feel romantic, and of course, we've got to consider love languages, um, but to one of us, say uh, a good romantic movie, the other one might find uh, no, maybe it's too wordy for me or it's not my thing. And so how do you differentiate when one of us finds something romantic and the other doesn't? Do you try to take turns? Do you have different ways of dealing with that? Yes. So my husband and all of my children are very athletic. And Mm -hmm. so when my husband and I, we would talk about, again, I'm so glad you brought up love languages because it's so important that people know like what their love language is and how their spouse receives love as well. So when one of the, one of uh, a man's most um, important needs is the need for recreation. And so a lot of women, a lot of times will complain. My husband spends so much time at the gym. My husband always wants to go play golf. My husband wants mm-hmm. to go to the bar with his friends or whatever his whatever his uh, outlet is for recreation. So my husband would ask me, like, do you want to go play basketball? I'm like, do I look like I have ever played basketball in my life? Like, I was a cheerleader, okay? I don't play basketball. That was <laughs> and my it would be, sister, you know, too, who is a three. That's so cute. I love that. You guys are, yeah, you're like, I can do basketball if I tried probably as a three, but that's not your thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could be in the NBA in my mind, you know, but that's <laughs> never going to happen, okay? <laughs> that's never going to happen. So I didn't understand, like, why is he asking me to go play yeah. basketball with him like that? But what I didn't realize is that for him, 
that is romantic. Like, I want to go play basketball with my wife. It still doesn't really quite make sense to me how we get to the romance part. But so for me, what's romantic is taking a long walk on the beach, holding hands and talking about our dreams. And, you know, that that is not necessarily, he'll do it, but that's not really what he's thinking about when he's thinking romance. So how do we bridge the gap? We do both. And you find a way to enjoy both. So when I'm going to play basketball with him, I can't, I don't know all the rules. I tell people, you know, I'm like violent on the court. Like, that's just like, my kids are always like, mom, you would be horrible on a basketball team, you know, but it's just that togetherness. What he's looking for is he's wanting to do something that he loves with the woman that he loves. Mm. That is romantic. Yeah. And so if I can look at it, under that umbrella, if you will, instead of being like, I don't like basketball, I'm not going to go. I can say, you know what, I don't, I'm not great at basketball. I'm probably going to foul everybody, you know, but he wants to spend time with me. And so, yeah, I'm going to go. And likewise, if he could say, you know, what? I mean, I don't really love walking on the beach and like talking about dreams and purpose and stuff, but my wife loves to, and she's going to feel connected to me if I do this with her. And so because I love her, I'm willing to go and do that. Mm. Wow. I I like that, that you guys are reaching inward to meet one another. And some of the spaces, like you said, are not going to be quite as easy to reach. But it sounds to me like you're saying we need to try to hear the big picture. And in your view with with Sean, he likes to have fun together. And for you, you like to have softness and tenderness together as a heart type. Is that right? That's correct. That's absolutely right. And it sounds to me like body type uh, versus heart type in a way, not that we don't all have moments where you might be the one sometime to, you know, relate on the fun level. And that's the fun of humanity. We're not always so boxed in, but, but I love that in general, you're like, he's probably going to, as a nine, want to do something fun and through the body. And I'm probably going to want to connect on a heart to heart level. But if we can find ways to do both, that's beautiful. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Affirming for our listeners who are working in these triads. And then there's somebody like me who throws it off, who's a thinker. And so that person has to work with us saying, can we talk about something intellectual? And of course, over years, you've been married for a while now. Have you found yourselves leaning into some great favorite dates together? We love to like, we're both, we both love to people watch, which is so so you know, so we'll we'll go out, you know, the we we live in Virginia Beach and so in the summertime we spend a lot of time at the beach. And so it's fun to like go to these cool little restaurants like on the beach and just basically just people watch and talk about like it's probably not the, the best pastoral thing in the world to do, but like, <laughs> like literally like, what were they thinking when they put that outfit together? Like, I'm very curious about that. You know what I mean? Like, so we'll, we'll have fun together, just kind of like people watching. Um, And then, you know, honestly, and, and I know this is, this is, this is going to sound a little cliche, but like, we just love being with our kids, which isn't like romantic date night, people don't think, but like, if you would have seen where we came from, you know, getting married at 18 and 21, having a horrible marriage, having a marriage that was like so broken and so unhealthy to now, like our kids, we were actually out with our kids a couple of weeks ago. We have two adult kids, two teenagers now. And um, we went bowling with the kids, with our adult kids and our teenagers were all there. And there was a lady across the bowling uh, aisle from us. And she said, oh, how old are your kids? And so I was telling her how old our kids were. And so she goes, oh, yeah, the teenage years. She's like, you know, I know you've got to beg them to hang out with you. And my kids never want to be with me. And she's like, right? 
And I just looked at her and I was like, actually, I said, that's not our experience. Our kids like love to spend time with us. And, you know, and I didn't go into like the, our kids love to spend time with us part. Cause I felt like that wouldn't have been very compassionate, but I did tell her like, that's not really my experience, you know? And so to see like, we love spending time together with our kids, you know, and, and just being together as a family. And so um, for us, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we love to do. We both love to travel. So we will absolutely take a couple's trip every year and then a family trip every year. And that's been, again, speaking of intentionality is we've got to take some time away from the noise of life and from the kids, even and from the business and from all of that and just reconnect. And most often, like we joke, we're like, we just want to take a vacation and go somewhere and sleep. We just want to sleep for like the first two days and then we'll get up and go do some some fun uh, stuff. So, yeah, so we travel, we take trips um, and that's probably I love to travel and I'm glad that my husband loves to, too. So that's probably one of the top things that we love to do together. Oh, that sounds so cool. And I really hear the three and nine of both of these types of love comfort. And so when you talk about just, you know, being comfortable, it doesn't just mean cozy, although sleep on a vacay is such a great dynamic <laughs> for this, this diet. But I also was just going to remark how uh, I noticed threes and nines often are very well styled because of them being comfort people like aware of the body and staying close to fashion. And so it makes me giggle thinking I'm probably one of the people walking by when you're like, what <laughs> are she thinking? She's thinking about something totally else besides her outfit. <laughs> That's so funny. That's funny that you say that, Krista. I don't think I'd realize that about the three and the nine. Yeah. My husband in high school his like high school superlative was best dress. Oh. And I am absolutely, we're always, he buys my clothes, he buys most of my clothes. Oh. And, you know, and I'm very much into fashion and, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I, yeah, that's so interesting. I'll have to yeah. tell him about that. And I think what I didn't realize was my husband had a three in our dyad too. Like he's a one, but he has a high three. So later I was able to notice that. And now when I take dates with him, I am a little more careful. And it's been that way since the very beginning. I would wear my alternative fuzzy sweaters from the thrift store and he would be like, okay, you know, and his like bow tie almost, you know, and so like he's calmed down as a one and he has more of a three. And now I've moved a bit toward that. But I love how, yeah, tell your hubby, like if you start out high in the three and the nine, you're going to have more success there from the beginning. (laughs) So I love that you guys have fun dates, you travel, you rest well together. And it's neat for me to hear that you have leaned in together. And I think that's what our listeners appreciate maybe most is knowing that they're not alone if they don't always feel like they like the exact same things. Mm, That's right. Yeah. You know, I think I learned a lot from my husband and the things that like, I honestly didn't think I would care about like football. Um, Now I do ask way too many questions because I need to know the game. I need to know the rules, you know? And, and so like, I, I ask a million questions, but just the being together. So I'll sit on a Sunday and watch a football game with him just because we're together. And, you know, likewise, there's some things that I know that he does. My husband's not like a, he's not a in the front kind of person you know he's very comfortable in the back and Mm -hmm. so just because I'm mostly in the front you know with my job with my business with the ministry and all of that like he's learning to be more comfortable in that space 
Um, but not taking him so far out of his comfort zone that I'm going to call him up on the platform to preach or something, you know, that's just not who he is. And I think a big part of love and marriage and, you know, really just love in general is learning how to compromise, learning that it doesn't take anything away from you. It actually adds something to you to do something that's outside of your comfort zone for the sake of the one that you love. Yeah, that's a really good word for people to be left with is, you know, you didn't marry somebody to be in your comfort zone. You you married them so that life would be more interesting and creative. And these are the things that really bless you over the years after the honeymoon is over. And they give you a spark because you're yes. different and it takes a lot of courage. So it's just beautiful to have a coach who's worked with so many couples over the years reminding us of the same thing. And that's what you saw in your your mom and your stepdad many years back, right? Is just there that's was right. something there that was beautiful, but it had to be nurtured. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think, you know, and God has has healed them both individually. Their marriage didn't survive, unfortunately, but um, but there's been a work, you know, that that he has done in them individually. But I think looking back on those years, if I was to diagnose, you know, their their marriage, I think that it is a lot of what you were just talking about, Krista, is that they couldn't really um they didn't really see, I think, the big picture. It was more like, this is my way. This is how I do things. And I see that a lot with the with the couples that I coach. It's like, well, this is how I do things. And I'm like, newsflash, when you get married, like that whole oneness thing isn't sameness, but it is you're going to have to lay down some things. You're going to have to do some things differently for the sake of your marriage. And if you don't go into marriage knowing that and being not even just being okay with it, but embracing that, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle the whole relationship. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's about growing and it's about becoming better. Like the Bible talks about iron sharpens iron. Mm. And when I think of that scripture, I'm thinking, okay, if you put two pieces of iron and you rub them together, that's going to create some friction. Mm. So we like to think, oh, iron sharpening iron. That's like my friend who loves me and they're going to encourage and support me all the time. But we don't realize on the flip side of that, it's also some friction and some tension and some, you know, you have some rough edges that need to be rubbed off. That's what that iron is going to do when it's sharpening your iron. Wow. That is fantastic. I (laughs) haven't thought of that. You're right. I always just go, oh, it's so sweet. They're sharpening (laughs) each other, but it it hurts, right? It does. It does. Oh, but it's a beautiful thing when you've come through and you're refined and you're different and people love you even more because they're like, you know, you and your spouse or you and your your partner that you're really maybe planning to marry soon. Um, you've really changed me for the better. And I've heard that many times when we're at our best, people often say that, like, oh, I love you guys as you know, your work together or your, your love together. And I know somebody like you, who's been together with their partner for many years. Also, it's, it's a fun reward of that labor over the years, isn't it? It really is. It makes it all worth it. You know, and of course we all, like most people, you see your weaknesses, they're magnified all the time. So for someone to, to look at your relationship and really honestly, our kids, you know, on my vision board, um, you know, I have written that I want to have a marriage that my kids can celebrate, that my kids will say, I want a marriage like my parents, because I couldn't say that as a child. And so I want my kids to be able to say that. And my daughter, she's 21 years old, almost 21. She'll be 21 in a couple months. She told me the other day, she was like, you know, if I ever get married, I want a kind of marriage like you and dad have. 
Oh my gosh. I was like, Lord, take me to heaven right now. Like, that's it. I did it. You know, thank you, Lord. Oh, I love that. And it, it encourages you because you're like here, we aren't perfect and we had to grow and we had to work through infidelity and all these things, but to hear your own child say, I know that, and I still love it. And it's still relationship goals. Uh, and we have the same thing. And it's so humbling just to know whatever journeys we've each walked that, and my kids know all the journeys we've walked to, generally speaking, not every little detail, but you know, it's like, you still find that in us and they're like, yes. And so when you say that to me, Dana, I'm just so encouraged that others need to, you know, you have a different spark and a different shine than I do. And I want our listeners to be able to learn from you. Threes put out beautiful, polished work. Not that they're perfect. I don't want Dana have that have to have that expectation on her, but it is, there's a level of beautiful glory that I see from a threes work. And I would love our listeners to be able to connect with you. Can you tell us about your freebie, your podcast, all of it? Absolutely. I would love to. So um, the best place to find all the things is on my website, which is danashay.com. That's D-A-N-A-C-H-E.com. And um, I really do want to give um, people the opportunity to listen to some things that we didn't know, again, as an 18 and a 21-year-old getting married. So I have um, an audio, actually, that I give away. It's called Seven Secrets mm-hmm. to a Healthy Marriage. Um, and so they can find that at danashay.com forward slash seven things. That's the number seven seven things. Um, And then also I have a podcast called Real Relationship Talk. And on Real Relationship Talk, we like to have real conversations about real marriage. Um, My husband and I talk about our story. He's not on every episode because again, he's not in the front. Um, He's like, do I have to be on the on a podcast today? I'm like, yes. Um, But we do have, you know, I do some interviews, some Mm -hmm. not. Um, But I just really want to help people like with where they are today. Again, going back to what did I need to know when I was going through the dark seasons in my marriage? What do I need to know now about marriage? And so uh, people can find the the podcast again on my main website or they can just search Mm -hmm. for relationship talk on everywhere the podcasts are played. Okay. Wow. That's fantastic. And I love that they can get to hear a little bit from Sean too from time to time. And Mm -hmm. that they are really gifted with all of these tools and that freebie. So I'm grateful that you have that because everybody wants those secrets. Everybody is like, yes, I need those (laughs) secrets. What are the secrets to a healthy marriage? I want that. So thank you, Dana. It's been wonderful just getting to know you better over these last few months. And it's just so encouraging to know you're doing such beautiful work out there. So thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Thank you, Krista. And you were on my show a couple months ago. I don't know if people know that. So um, I appreciated everything that you shared for our listeners. And I love the work that you're doing here. It is so important, so needed. I love your spirit, your voice. It's just been an honor for me to be here today. Oh my gosh. Thank you. You just made my day. So yay. (laughs) So glad. All right. Thanks, Dana. You're welcome. Okay, guys, you know what to do. Dana's amazing. Do not miss your time with her at her website, at her podcast, with her freebies. She is going to just get you charged up even more for that beautiful, glowy romance we know you want. And I know that's why you're here. So make sure you head over there and grab that. And we will see you next time. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. 
Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramandMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.